Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. We've been in a series walking through the book of Ephesians. Have y'all enjoyed it? Last week, man, if you didn't hear last week's message, Stefan brought an amazing word about unity. A timely word, and um, it's you need to hear it. If you missed last week, go listen to that. Because this section of Ephesians that we're in right now is all about that. It's about what God does among us. So the first section was really just about our identity individually. This is what Jesus has done in your life. You've been, a, you've been made a new creation, and here's who you are. And then the section we're in right now is what does that look like as a body, as a body of Christ? And I love just pausing like we did this morning. Even if it whacks up my sermon time, who cares? Like, it's just so important to just be the body. Just be the body of Christ. And what, ex- what happened this morning in corporate Sunday morning happens all the time in communities, by the way. You got people to stand with you. Uh, stopping everything for that, just that ministry. Let's pray for you right now. So if you're not in a community, get in one. It's really, really good. How many weeks we got left in communities? Somebody know? I lost count. One? No. A few weeks. I don't know. I shouldn't have asked. Um, go to the dwellingchurch.org and click on the Find the Community button. Join a community. There's one near you. We've got uh, seven this semester. So get in a community. Get around some people. Uh, if you're here for the first time, make sure you do the QR code on the seat in front of you. There's also Welcome Home today. Uh, 30 minutes right after service for you to get plugged in here and find out more about the dwelling. If you're new here, that's what that is. Uh, Next week's Easter, guys. So excited. We have, how many services are we having next week? What times are they? Hey, man, you guys have been listening. Nine o'clock, 11 o'clock right here in this room. We make room for people, and this Easter we're gonna have to because you're going to invite your neighbor that's not come to church with you yet, and they're going to come. And God's going to rock their world. So just um, make sure you, on your way out today, there's a greenery wall out there. Just write a name on those cards and hang it up there. We're going to pray for them Wednesday night. This Wednesday at 7 is prayer night. We're going to take every one of those names before the Lord and just ask Him to just intervene in their life and meet them here on Easter Sunday and change their lives. So... It's going to be a good, good week. Okay. So today, I want to talk about something really fast. It's kind of be, I'm going to shorten this message. Somebody say, thank you, Gunner. Jessica's like, I'm here all afternoon. So today might be a paradigm shift for some of you. For some of you, it might be, hey, I know this. And if you know this already, and this is kind of not new information for you, let it be one of those things of like a shot in the arm of like being intentional about what God's called you to be, okay? So today I want to talk about, uh, we're going to go through Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16, and I specifically want to talk about the five-fold ministry. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that term before, Okay. So I used to think it was five-fold ministry, like literally like a fist fight. Like I literally thought that's what it meant. It's like, I'm going to give you a little taste of the five-fold ministry. <laughs> serious. Five-fold. Bam. Okay. So 
but that's actually not what it means. So we're going <laughs> to, so needless to say, I've had some, uh, I've had some uh, confusion about this. And I think it is, there is a lot of confusion around this passage that we're going to read today. Um, and so the disclaimer is, before I even get started on this, as with any passage of scripture, with any teacher or preacher, uh, I am teaching, preaching, whatever you want to call it, from a place of my current understanding, okay? So I'm, I'm going to try to take that humble road and not say that I got it all figured out, okay? So you just ask the Lord about this and do your own study. But here's where the angle we're coming from today is my current understanding of what God's been teaching me and what I, what I long for this church, this house, this local church body, this family to become. Because how many know my way is not the best way? And what you want might not be the best way either. But what Jesus says is the best way is where we need to go. That's the direction we need to be heading in. And so that's what we're looking at today. So let's jump in. You ready? Verse 7, Paul says in writing to the Ephesians, however, everybody say however. however. That can also be but. Okay? So he says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, if he says, however, or but, then we look at what was said before that. And what was said before that? Unity. You guys are one. There's one, one family. This is one big happy family, right? I mean, we are one in Christ. We are one family. There are no members higher than the others. There are no more important members than the others. But here's what he says. But, 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 hold on. Everybody has a special gift given to them by Jesus. And just because you don't have that gift doesn't mean you're less than. All right, on the other coin, side of the coin, just because you have that gift don't mean you all that in a bucket of ribs, okay? You ever heard that one before? All that in a bag of chips, okay? So we all have different roles in the body of Christ. And Paul's going to break some of those down for us. In verse 8, that is one of the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And I don't have time to dig into all that because I want to get to the next part. Basically, when Jesus came down, he died, he suffered, he lived a life perfect before the Father. He died on the cross for you and me. And when he ascended, he actually told him, he said, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. So I'm going to send one who, who's going to not only be with you, but in you. It's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, when he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. And it says that Jesus gave gifts to the church. Okay, and here's what Paul lists here in verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Can we say those together? Number one is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Five, four, bam, okay. So... 
I'm going to talk about each one of these in just a little bit, but for, for, for the moment, let's differentiate here between these gifts that Paul mentions here and the rest of the gifts throughout Scripture. How many's taken a uh, spiritual gift inventory or questionnaire before where you're like, most likely, not likely at all, you know, like, and you're like, circle that one. And then you add all your numbers up and four hours later, you magically know your spiritual gift. I'm not, those things are helpful, okay? But I do believe that Paul, nor any of the writers in the Bible of Scripture, give us an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts that we're to understand and all that stuff. That's why you have uh, four-hour-long spiritual gift tests, because some of them, they just say, well, maybe this could be a gift. Let's throw it in there. You know, like Paul, he mentions some in Romans that are not mentioned in Ephesians. And he mentions some in 1 Corinthians that aren't mentioned in Romans. And so I don't think he was like, okay, let's put an appendix with all of the gifts that are possible to be listed in Scripture. And here's why I think that they didn't do that. That's just my opinion. Like I said, I'm in process. Current understanding, okay? I think the spiritual gifts, as good as those tests can be, I think the spiritual gifts are meant to be received, discovered, and operated in in the context of community. Community. Family. Okay? I've taken those tests. I get a different answer every time I take it. But what I have had is had people in my life that are farther along in the faith and say, you know what? I see this in you. And you know what it does in me? Yeah, I see that too. I, f I felt that, okay? And I'm going to be intentional about that now. And I've had people pray for me and pray. Gunner is walking in this. And we just bless that, Jesus. That specific gifting that you call him to. And they'll name that thing and I'll be like, yeah, like that is what God's called me to do. Have you ever had that happen before? That's the goal. But you can't do that sitting in the house by yourself all the time. You can't get in the body of Christ and actually know your gifting and operate in it unless you're actually in the body of Christ, a part of it, okay? And so the bottom line, I don't think Paul thought it was really important to give us an exhaustive list. I think he's just like, hey, this is part of body life. This is part of what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ is that you start noticing what your gifts are and walking in them and all that. And so here's my current understanding that these five listed here are foundational gifts. They're, it's almost like all the other gift things, like when you talk about encouragement, leadership, and tongues even, and pro, you know, prophecy and stuff like that, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, there's tons of gifts listed, right? But I think these five ones are just foundational ones that all the others kind of supplement or maybe even flow, those others flow out of these. Does that make sense? There are five foundational that Paul uh, lists here. And I believe that there are specific people that God calls to these roles in the church. But I also believe there is a propensity in every one of you to lean toward one of those five giftings in your own life. Um, I'm going to explain in a minute, but let's just start with the role of evangelist. Are we all called to evangelize? That just means be a bringer of good news, right? That's everybody, right? 
But does that mean everybody's an evangelist? Mm, no, but we're all called to bring good news, right? It's the same with teaching. Is everybody a teacher? No, but is there a moment in your Christian walk where you got to teach somebody something? You better believe it. And so um, it's not about these specific roles per se. It's about those roles equipping the body of Christ to do what we're all supposed to be doing. Okay. And so I'm going to keep, keep reading here. What is their purpose? All right. Verse 12 is this. Their responsibility. Now Paul's talking about the people. Their pronoun. Okay. Their responsibility, the people that God's called to this, these five offices or gifts, giftings in the church. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people for the work of ministry or to do his work and to build up the body of Christ. So what's the job of the fivefold? What is the job of an apostle and a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher? To equip the body of Christ. For the work of ministry. So is it the job of a teacher to do the teaching? Maybe that's part of it, but what's the goal? To equip people to teach. Uh, is it the goal of the prophet to just come up and read everybody's telephone numbers? You know, like, I know. That may be part of prophetic ministry, but what is a prophet called to do? Equip the church to be prophetic, to hear what God is saying and say what he's saying, okay? So I just want to keep, keep going and then we'll dig in just really, really quickly. Verse 13, this will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Watch it, Paul. Don't be so. We'll be tossed around and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So the pastor is the head of the body, right? No. Who's the head of the body? Jesus. He's the head. He's the boss. Of these five, there are no more important. It's that we all have a role to play. But Jesus is the head. And it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in love. First thing I see is this will continue until maturity. A lot of people think there's some of these left, maybe three of them, but two of them, ah, that kind of died off way back in the day. I don't believe that. I think it's all, it's all here. I think that God never changes and the, the body of Christ, I believe why it's so anemic is because we've gotten away from the way he intended it to be. I believe, and I say this with a broken heart, but I do believe that the things that we're seeing in the news about just the global church and just how just pastors falling left and right and churches crumbling, I think it's just because it just goes back down to the reality of we've not done it his way. And, and I, want, I, I, don't, I don't know what anybody else is going to do, but I know this house, I want to do it his way. I want to do it his way. 
I don't want to do it your way. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it the way of Jesus. And I believe the way of Jesus is everybody doing their part in what he's called us to do. That it's not, you know, it's not like one of the five is outweighing the other. What if we were in a house in a spiritual family where all five were in operation? I had this, this kind of dream or kind of imagination thing happened to me one time where I see this uh, five-sided or five-pointed shape. And it comes up like this, and there's tension on all five, and it becomes a net. You can't have a net unless there's tension on all sides. I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? All right. So let's talk about this five-fold ministry. Okay. I'm going to break down each one. I wish I had like a whole series to do this. Maybe we'll do this later. But uh, I'm going to break down each one, define each one, give you some context for each one. But I also want to put it in the context of my friend Jeff Lyle. I'm just totally stealing this, and I asked him if I could. But it makes sense on an airliner. How many like to fly? Okay, I hate it. You pilots are like, what is your problem? Like... I just hate it. I don't, I don't like being my stomach. I don't like roller coasters. I'm a wimp, okay? But I will fly. But one of your, that whole flying uh, experience from the ticket counter to when you get off, like there are roles, right? And it, like if you don't have a pilot, you're not going anywhere, right? If you don't have a ticket counter, well, you don't have a ticket, you know? It's a free-for-all getting on the plane, you know? So... I want to kind of put it in, in context. I thought this was a good way to, to, to think of it. So let's talk about apostles, okay? Everybody say apostles. apostles. Apostles govern, okay? Apostles govern. This just means, the word apostle in the Greek, it means sent one. Think of it as a emissary of another kingdom going into another kingdom to represent. That's what apostle means. It's just These are the forerunners. These are the pioneers. These are the culture changers, missionaries who have a mandate to see heaven's vision come to pass in a city or a region or a whatever, a village. These are the pioneers. Paul says, it, it, I have this burning desire in me to go where the gospel's not been preached. That's, that's what made Paul an apostle. He was called by God to go. And there wasn't no stopping with Paul. There was no, there was, there was, he had a one track mind. It was like, I, we've got to expand. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. So you think about on a plane, the pilot, they know where the destination is. They can see a, 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 a way that nobody else on the plane can see. They're sitting in the cockpit. They see where they're going, right? And if it wasn't for pilots, the plane wouldn't get off the ground. They know how to fly the plane. It wouldn't get on the ground safely. It wouldn't be going to its destination. And it's the same in the church. Without the apostolic, there is no driving forward. There is no vision. And the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. Or run wildly in other translations. But like nobody knows what we're saying. Okay, let's just go this way or this way or this way. And this is why it's important for that tension but we're all going in the same direction. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like there's tension, but we're all being pulled in the same direction to make disciples. And so let's look at um, prophets. So prophets are the seers, the hearers, the feelers, and the knowers. 
And just because you don't see like somebody else does, you may be a feeler or you may be a knower. That'll make you any less of a prophetic person. Okay? Y'all believe me? So we get so enamored with, oh, this person is because they see it this way. And what me and my wife were talking about this on the way back from Legoland, that she's a knower. She doesn't see visions and stuff like that. She just knows. That's even more scary to me. But anyway, <laughs> I just know. Hmm. So they reveal the Father's heart for the church. Prophets can see where things are kind of headed. They can see what's really going on below the surface sometimes. And everybody else might not see what's exactly going on, but a prophet can kind of see just a little bit deeper and be able to bring that to the body and say, look, here's what's going on. And, and here's what the Father says. And here's the challenge is delivering it in the Father's heart. Delivering it with the flavor of heaven and not personal opinion or preference and all that stuff. So on a plane, a prophet, prophet B, and this is the best one I think to come up with, U.S. Marshal, okay? They can't sleep. Everybody else is like, give me some cookies and let me get in my, get in my blanket until we reach our destination. U.S. Marshal's on the plane. Their eyes are open. They're watchful. I'm thankful for prophets. I'm thankful for watchmen and watchwomen. Now let's talk about evangelists. Everybody say evangelists. Evangelist. These are the missionaries, the recruiters, the good news bringers. The word evangelist just means one who brings the good news. They get you on the plane. I mean, no, if you go into heaven, you got your ticket. You know, someone shared the gospel with you. I think about Margaret right here. Every time I talk to you, Margaret, you're talking about, we got to tell people about Jesus. That's an evangelist. That's what evangelists sound like. And um, uh, pastors. Everybody say pastors. pastors. All right. Pastors, they, they guide. They give care. They provide guidance. They meet physical, practical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And it's not just a pastor in the sense of the word. I know y'all call me pastor and all that, but that's not even what it's about. It's not about a title or a role. It's about a gifting. And it's specifically someone who's just caring for people and looking, seeing the needs. And so on a plane, these would be the, the, uh, the flight attendants. Hey, can I get you some coffee? <laughs> can I get you some tea? Do you need a blanket? Do you, know, do you go to the bathroom? Okay, hold on. The bathrooms are right back there. All right, in case of emergency, pull on this thing. You know, like they're telling you what you need to know. And they're taking care of you. They're making sure you're comfortable. They're making sure you know which way to go and all that stuff. That's what pastors, that's what a pastoral gifting is, okay? Teachers. Everybody say teachers. Teacher. Teachers are the explainers, the intellectual, the thinkers, the expounding scripture to us. Have a way of just breaking open the Bible so that we can understand it better. These are the mechanics. They know how the plane works, okay? These are, these are the ones who ground us. Paul was talking about how let's just flying off on every kind of teaching. If we have, don't have teachers in the body of Christ that can really just oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> slow your roll, let's get back to the word. So needed in the body of Christ. But in some, some church cultures, that's the main thing and the other things get left. 
Unless you have tension, you can't make a net. You got to have all five giftings in operation to make disciples. All right. So um, I just got to, I have, uh, how do you preach all this in just 30 minutes? I don't know. I'm not doing it. So examples, think about it like this. Pastors, pastoral people are so concerned about meeting needs, they might miss the main mission. They might, they might say, well, what about her? She's hurting. And forget, we're heading in a direction. And that's where the apostle comes in. The apostle's not like, but an apostle needs a pastor to be like, oh yeah, there's people on the plane. <laughs> Like, I thought we were just trying to get somewhere. There's people back there that are cold right now, you know? Like, so it takes a pastoral person. I think about Lisa Foote. Lisa back there, is she the most pastoral person ever? Like, just loving people, seeing people, knowing about needs before anybody else does, and just getting out there and doing it. Prophets are so focused on delivering the word from the Lord. I've got to say this. I've got to say this that they might hurt somebody. So a prophet needs a pastor to round them off. Do you see what I'm saying? Like we need each other. We need each other. Teachers are so focused on educating believers that we might forget the lost people on the outside. We need each other. Evangelists are like, while we learning something else, we got to get out there and get them in here. You know, like we got to just tell people about Jesus. We don't need another class. For crying out loud. We just need to tell people about Jesus. What are y'all doing? And so we need each other. The five gifts work together in the body of Christ. The five gifts equip the body of Christ. So the apostles equip the church to be heaven-minded. So it's that whole thing of, you've heard, he's so heaven-minded, he's no earthly good. Well, we need, we need apostolic-minded people because they're like, this is what heaven on earth looks like and here's where we're going. And, and it's, it's, you can be both. You got your mind in heaven, but you got one foot in heaven, one foot on the earth, and you're like, we got to change this city. And then the prophets equip the church to prophesy, to hear God and hear what he's saying and to share it. Evangelists equip the church to bring good news to people. Pastors equip the people to care for each other. Teachers equip the people to be lifelong students of Scripture and to teach it. I think about uh, Christian J. He's not here today, I don't think. Are you here, Christian? There you are. You're hiding back there in that black hat. I think about when Christian teaches, I can even have coffee with Christian, and he'll pose a question. And it makes me want to go dig in the Bible. Or when he's up here and he's, he's expounding scripture, it's like light bulbs just coming on. What? up? Oh, I never knew that. I never saw that before. It's because he's a teacher. Um, when Chantal cries over people who don't know Jesus, I can't help but cry. Because <laughs> that's the evangelist's heart of like, we can't just be comfortable. Like we have to tell people about Jesus. We have to get people in who are hurting and we have to get people in here who don't know Jesus. And it rubs off on me. And I need an evangelist in my life. I need people like Lisa. I need people like Margaret. 
I need people like Daniela when, when we're up here at prayer night and everything's just kind of, we're all praying. And then Daniela just brings a word from the Lord. And then what happens is that we all get caught up in this thing and it becomes, it's kind of like drafting off of the car in front of you. Not that I was doing that on the way back from Orlando, but like you, there's no, it's like it becomes easier when you get in behind somebody who's really flowing in it. And that's what happens sometimes. Daniela open her mouth and then God just comes and everybody's saying, am I prophesying right now? I think so. Like God says this. And it's just, it becomes easier. And so some churches, and I'm, I'm closing, but some churches are really heavy on the pastoral thing. And boy, you better, if you go to this church, man, you're going to get taken care of. But they may be light on reaching the lost. And some churches are all about reaching the lost and people don't get cared for. And then some churches are all about the prophetic. God says this, and let's, I see a vision, and it's a waterfall. And it's like, the teachers are like, what are you doing? Like, get in the word. <laughs> and some houses are all about the word and never give room for the Holy Spirit to move. I think a church can be all five. I really do. I don't know that I've ever seen it as healthy as I believe Jesus wants it to be. And I, if I were to say that we're in that place, that would be a, a extreme falsity. I don't know. <laughs> like, but we're headed that way. I just want you to know, this is where we're going as a church. It's where we've always been going as a church. And we're just figuring this thing out. And all what this looks like. Like I said, I don't know if we've got too many great examples. But I want to do it. I want to be a house that's going somewhere that's caring for people, that's reaching the lost, that's teaching people, and that's hearing God and being a prophetic mouthpiece to a city. I think you can do all five and do it well. I really do. So we commit together to be that house. I had a dream a few uh, years ago, and I was in a, a glass elevator, me and my wife, and there was a guy who was kind of like a coach in my life at the time. And he was in the elevator with us. And we went, we were in a big city and we went all the way to the top. And we were up there in the skyscrapers. Like we were way up there. And he said, notice the crest there on those buildings. And then that was my dream. And so I just felt like sometimes you had a dream and you're like, that was the pizza I ate last night. And sometimes you have a dream and you're like, God, you know. And so I asked the Lord, I was just kind of asking him, what, what could that mean? Like, what are you, I felt like that was you. What did you mean by that? What are you trying to say to me? And I was literally walking down on Broughton Street one day and I had researched those crests on buildings and a lot of them would tell it like what, like either the, the, the name of the person who built the place, there would be a crest, there would be like a, 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 a symbol that meant this building belongs to this family or this person built this, or it was a, um, uh, this is what happens in this building, right? Whether what kind of trade goes on or whatever. And I was just thinking about that. And I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart walking down Broughton Street one day and he said, I want a house I could put my name on. And I think that that kind of house is a house that does it like Jesus wants it done. 
And we got a long way to go. But I want to go in that direction. And so here's the, here's the thing. God's called people to equip this body. And they're here. And God's put gifts inside of you that are just waiting to be released. And so I know in talking in this message this morning, some of you were like, hey, I think I'm a pastor. I think I'm a pastoral person. Or, yeah, I'm an evangelist, you know, like, or oh, I think I'm a prophet, you know, like, you're going to lean in one of those areas. And the goal that I want to get to is that we're equipping every single one of you in what God's called you to. And so that's, uh, that's why we need each other. We discover what gifts he's given us in communities where it's found. We call it out in each other. We pray it into each other. We walk it out together as a beautiful, cohesive family, and we change a city. But it takes unity. It takes community. It takes communion. And communion is two ways. It's communion with the Father, and there's communion with each other. And so we're going to take communion this morning. So we're going to end the service. So Lauren, she'll come on up. Well, did everybody get one of these? If you did not get one, raise your hand and the ushers will find you and get you one. Have you got some clarity today? Is, are you more confused than when you came in or have you, got, have you got more clarity than you did? I love how Jesus set this whole thing up. And I love the church. I love the body of Christ. And I love that together this morning we get to celebrate his, uh, his sacrifice together. We get to remember what he did for us. And this week is we're approaching this week of passion, just remembering what Jesus did for us on that cross, carrying our sin. Broken for our sin. We just remember that sacrifice today. Take your take your bread out. Does everybody have one? Okay, I think everybody's got one. Oh, uh, these are a little bit harder, but I like to break them. Just almost, just to remember the broken body of Jesus. So let's thank him for his broken body. Jesus, we just thank you for being broken for us on that cross. We thank you for the beating that you took for our sin. We thank you for just being a servant and being humble enough. The God of the universe slapped and spit on for us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread together.
and peel back that on the wine. And it's through his blood that we've found freedom. It's through his blood that our sins are washed away. Not just covered, washed away. Is that good news or what? So Jesus, we thank you for the lashes of the whip on your back that shed the blood that saves us. We thank you for taking the nails in your hands and your feet, the crown of thorns on your head, and as your blood flowed down that cross, it flowed to us, cleansing us, making us right with you. We're so very thankful. Let's take the cup together. I'm going to stand our feet. Here's how we're going to dismiss today. I want us to pray together. And after we pray, I felt specifically uh, in talking with some, a few of you this morning also about what the Lord was doing in, in your hearts. Um, I feel like a really strong thing for just breakthrough in some areas in, in people's lives where... Um, you just kind of can be pushing hard against something and you just need that breakthrough to happen, especially in the area of freedom in your life. Um, uh, specifically, I know of people who are just having really bad intrusive just thoughts and uh, tormenting stuff going on. And we'd love to pray for that this morning. So if, you, if you've got something like, even if it's a habit in your life that you're just beating against the wall and you, you just need breakthrough this morning, that's possible. It's possible. But especially those things of like, if you're just having this intrusive thought, you feel like you might be a little out of control. You know what I'm saying? Come get prayer. Community leaders, y'all come up here and line up on the, on the platform. And uh, as they're coming, let's pray together. And uh, love every one of you guys so much. Remember next Sunday, 9 and 11, invite somebody this week, put their name on that wall out there. Let's pray together, okay? And after we pray, come, come receive ministry, all right? Father, thank you for your presence in this house today. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Your body was broken for us and that we can remember it together. Lord, that communion is vertical and it's horizontal. So Lord, we just pray that you help us, help us to be a house, Lord, that that is unified, Lord. Help us to be a house that's truly one, a church, not just in this warehouse, but Lord, all across this city, Lord, the church of Savannah, the church of this region, Lord, that we'd be unified in you and that we'd be the church that you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week.
come receive prayer. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.